Thank you all for being here on Labor Day weekend. And I don't know about you, but it feels like the last Sunday of summer. I mean, I know summer technically goes for a couple more weeks, but it just feels like there's a transition now, right? I mean, even pumpkin spice lattes are out, which scares me. But so, you know fall is coming. But before we move into fall, this is my last chance to enjoy the summer. And I don't know about you, but there's certain like flavors of a season, right? You got the pumpkin spice in the fall. But for me, summer means fruit. And I know you can get fruit all season long or all year long. But in the summer, it's like grapes are on sale and all the berries that I love and cherries. And it's just like, oh, sorry, I'm making you hungry. But the delicious taste of summer is fruit to me. And I was trying to think about why that is. And there's two distinct memories I have. The first is that every couple of years growing up, my parents would take us on a big vacation. And that meant driving all the way down to Florida and going to the beach. And each day we'd pack a lunch and take it to the beach so we didn't even have to leave to eat. And in every meal, I don't know why, but we packed grapes. Maybe that was my parents' favorite food. I don't know. But even to this day, if I eat grapes, I think there's that bit of summer and the beach, and the fun, and the enjoyment I have with my family in that taste. Also as a kid, my grandparents had a farm. And I would find any excuse possible to leave the suburbs and go spend the night with my grandparents on the farm. And then the next day, my grand would say, hey, let's go outside. Let's pick our lunch. Pick our lunch? Right outside their back door, there were these rows and rows of trees that grew actual fruit on them. My backyard, it had some acorns. But this was so cool that I could literally go pick my lunch off the tree. And so for me, the taste of fruit, there's love there. There's joy there. Because I was sharing it with people I love. So today, I was very excited. Because today, we're going to talk about Galatians 5, and that has the fruit of the Spirit. So, of course, that's my metaphor. But before we get there, let's talk about where we've come in the book of Galatians. This has been our series called Backpacks and Burdens. And we've talked about how there's this people, this body, this church. And Paul is the author of this book, and he's writing to them to say, you all are living together as a church carry one another's burdens because there's some things in our lives that are just too much for one person to bear. But he also says, you have your own responsibilities. There's some things that God has put on your shoulders that you need to carry too. And so we went through chapter one where Paul talked about his calling and we talked about what does that mean for us to be called as individuals, as a church, We looked at chapter 2 where Paul said, hey, sometimes when you live at your calling, you're not going to always agree. You're not going to see eye to eye, even with other believers. Figure out how to get along. And 3 and 4, Paul was addressing these people in this time who were going back to the law. Jesus had brought them freedom, and they kept going back to what was comfortable. Because living like Christ It makes us vulnerable. We don't always know how to do it perfectly. And so the believers in Galatia kept reverting back to, let's just follow those rules again. Those were black and white, and I knew what to do. 
And Paul says, you have freedom. And that's where we start chapter 5 today. If you want to make your way there in chapter 5 in the Pew Bibles, or I'll have some of the verses on the screen. But I want us to look at verse 1 that summarizes this whole message that Paul has been trying to tell this church. So Christ has truly set us free. Make sure you stay free. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So now Paul is telling them that, hey, if you want to choose to follow the law, to try to earn your way to God, it's not going to work. It's never going to work for you. But you don't have to. Jesus not only died for your sins, he lived and fulfilled every single bit of that law. It's complete. It's whole. It has been made perfect. And Jesus gives you that gift so you don't have to work for it anymore. You are free. These believers didn't know how to live in that freedom. Because freedom is kind of, again, vulnerable. There's a lot of choices we can make. Sometimes it's easier if somebody just tells us what to do. But we have freedom and that's good. Now Paul tries to show them, here, here are your options for freedom. Let's look down in verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So there's two options here. Freedom, I don't know if you ever felt this way when you turned into an adult, but suddenly you're free and you can do things that are crazy or weird or silly just because you can, right? You don't have to live under your parents' rule anymore. But after a while, that freedom's like, okay, that's kind of boring and now I still have adult responsibilities to do. And so freedom, even when we indulge ourselves, isn't exactly what we think it is. So let's look at option one. If we are going to indulge ourselves, it ends up leading to sin. And there's some results of that sin. And let's follow that path down. If you choose option one with your freedom and you choose the sinful nature, then this is what happens. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, verse 19, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, decision, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Whew, that's a list. I tried to move past that list quickly. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, oh, sorcery, idolatry, I'm good. This is not about me. Until I look at the jealousy and selfish ambition. And okay, that starts to sound a little bit more familiar. But the important thing I want us to look at today is, I don't know if you do this, but when I read the Bible, it's me. I'm reading. And so I think, how does this apply to me? But Paul was writing to a church and I think we need to look not only how these verses apply to our personal lives, our individual hearts, but how is this affecting us as a community, as a body of believers? Because there's an application collectively as well. So what's the big deal about this list of sins collectively? Well, I see two problems with this sinful nature. First, sin affects other people. 
it, in our society, it's easy to be like, hey, I have the freedom. I'm going to indulge if I want to indulge. If it becomes a problem, I'll deal with it. It's none of your business. But our sins affect each other. And I know you know this. Because you can think of a time in your lives, and maybe it's happening right now, where you have a burden and a mess to clean up that you didn't make. There I know people in this room serving in industries where your entire job is about helping other people, cleaning up what someone else has destroyed. And we know that sin can affect other people. I mean, let's take a silly example. Let's say, let's say I've got that jealousy thing going on. Let's say I'm jealous of Kristen singing because she's amazing leading worship this morning. And what if I'm just so jealous that well, she starts to notice because I start to act kind of snooty toward her. So I've already damaged one person with my jealousy. I think, no, that's just my problem, but it's hurting her. And, and then you guys are seeing me, and then you're like, what is Kelly's problem? Why is she being a jerk to Kristen? And then it's affecting you. You are thinking badly about me, and then we have enmity between one another. And finally, I go home, and I'm just so frustrated that I blow up at my family. So then my one moment of jealousy has now affected all these people. So sometimes we think that this sin list is something that we have to work on, but it's something we can work on together because it affects each other. Now, the second thing that I realize is that sin isolates. So if you're dealing with something on this list, if I'm dealing with something on this list, it ends up dividing there's division. There is putting up walls. If I'm angry at someone, I'm putting up a wall and I'm backing away. And I'm, I'm turning inward. And I think this list is, Paul is saying, look, if you are dealing with your freedom and you're trying to do your own thing, you're just isolating yourself further and further. And God didn't make us that way. God looked at the very first person he made and he said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. He didn't make us each individually. He put people in our lives. And when we lean in on all those personal freedoms, sometimes we're just pulling away from the very people that God wants in our life, and he wants us to impact other people. He gives us that purpose. So that's all the negative way we can use freedom. Let's go back to verse 13. What does it say? Instead, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Now that sounds pretty nice. But perhaps you've noticed that as human beings, it's easy to be self-involved. We have to like consciously think about serving other people and looking outside of ourselves. Because we, we're with each other all day long. I'm with myself. I know me inside and out. And so it's easy to think about myself. But it takes effort to look beyond me. But that's what Paul is calling not just the Church of Galatia. This is a message for us today, too. So how do we do it? If it's difficult to get outside of ourselves, the good news is, in verse 16, we can see that we have help. We're not alone. The solution is simple. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So this freedom... This freedom that Jesus bought for us came with a gift, the Spirit. 
It's kind of the mysterious part of the Trinity. It's hard to know just what he looks like and how he moves. But God says he is with us in his spirit, here with us, ready to guide us, if we're willing to ask. Now his guidance may look different at different times, but you know when you've sensed that deep conviction to do something, to take action, and you can sense God guiding you. Or you pray with a friend who also has a spirit in them and you together encourage one another and you find advice for that next step. That's God's spirit. And he's bringing us together if we're willing to listen. If we ask him every day, every hour, please help me do less of my sinful nature and step more into what you want for my life. I had to do that last night. I had a day, and I hear I'm working on this sermon. And you know, you're in a house with people that you love, but you're with each other all the time. And some of the things on that sinful nature list were coming out, and I was like, hello. Dear Lord, I'm going to go walk away in another room. And I did. I was like, uh, thanks, God. Thanks for letting me practice when I'm preaching. And I was like, God, how do I fix it? Because I was impatient, and I was led to anger and I asked God's spirit for help because I don't do it naturally I had to remind myself so now now we get to our delicious fruit are you ready if we are choosing to serve other people and we're asking the spirit for help good things are the result verse 22 has this beautiful list but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This list just makes me smile reading it. Isn't this what we expect out of the family of God? Isn't this why we come to church? For these good qualities. But note this list isn't a checklist. I, I kind of grew up thinking like, okay, well, this is all the things I need to do. So I start with love and I work my way to self-control. But look, the only thing on that list says that we should be guided by the Spirit. And the Spirit is what brings out all this good fruit in our lives. Now, again, I always used to read this and think about how wonderful these qualities were for me as an individual and that makes my life better. But let's look at this as a community. How is this helpful for the body of believers? So if the sinful nature isolates, the spirit and the fruit brings us together. Because think about that. The things on this list, love, you love other people. You're faithful to others or to a place, to a thing, to something outside of yourself. You're kind and you're good and you're gentle to other people. That spirit is connecting us. That's what that fruit is for. And if we're asking God's spirit to guide us and that fruit is the result, then that's the way we serve others. Back to verse 13. If we're going to serve others, we can use that beautiful fruit to serve. Because just like I love the taste of summer, in the fruit that I eat because it makes me think of time together 
and shared with others. The Spirit's fruit can be shared and bring us together. And we can experience that love and that joy and that peace as a family of God. Now, the one thing that I really kept coming back to just this week, there's so much in this scripture that there's so many things to learn, but I kept sensing God trying to teach me. What's the point? You have all this fruit and you're asked to serve. Okay, how does that build each other up truly? Well, I think here, here at Echo Church, when we're serving one another, if I serve you, I see you. I know you. I value you. If I am serving, I am giving you a gift and myself a gift by connecting us. The size of this church is amazing because we can look into everyone's eyes and I can know your name. I can know your story. And I can carry your burdens because I learn about them. You are known. You are valued. And I think that we need to take this opportunity to truly see one another. Now, if you're experiencing joy and excitement and love, peace, patience, I'm excited to share that with you. It's fun to be together in the joy and in the positive times. And if you're struggling with anything on that sinful nature, whether it's yours or someone else whose sin is now affecting you, I want to walk beside you as God brings you that healing. And I know not everything is always perfect. Even in a family of God, just like families we have in our house, we're going to hurt each other. Whether we're intentional or not, there's going to be things that we do that's going to affect other people. And we need to come to the point where we're realizing, this is my fault. I apologize because I've affected you with my choices. And I just ask us to take that awkward step toward one another. And when there is something that's dividing us, it's noticeable here. Let's take a step toward healing together. We're not alone. And God's Spirit can help us heal just as much as He can help us enjoy one another. So that's our, my challenge, is that we will take steps this very week if you feel division somewhere. But above all, let's just live life together. As summer turns to fall, turns to winter, turns to spring, we get to live together as a family of God. The Spirit is here. He is uniting us. Let's enjoy that fruit together. Now there's one more verse here I want to look at at the end of Galatians, and it's going to bring us into our time of communion. Because there's something that Paul ends his letter here, and it's a bit of hope. It's a bit of ugliness and a bit of hope wrapped in one. Verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. Every week, we have a chance to remember this brutal, ugly act of crucifixion. It's horrible and painful, and it's not something that we normally just want to think about. 
but Jesus was on that cross with our sin. And so here, we're being asked to visualize not just Jesus on the cross, but to realize he was there with our sin. And we can take all that mess and all the things that are hurting and painful that have been done to us that we have done, and we can visualize taking a big iron nail and just hammering it into the wooden cross again and again until it's gone. We can leave it there and we could walk away free. We have the chance right now to take communion together as a family of God. Let's remember that our sins are nailed to the cross and we bear them no more. Let's thank the Lord together. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you. You have purchased our freedom in a very painful way. Yet we receive such blessings to be free of our sin. God, we thank you for creating us, for bringing us together that we don't have to do life alone and you don't want us to. While we remember your cross, we also thank you that you can take away our sinful nature and give us a heart a heart of love and of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Thank you, Lord. Amen.